Thank you for joining Billy West Live. Our guest uh, this week is Dr. Greg Granger, political science teacher at Northwestern State University. I'm glad to say he's going to be a regular uh, on the Billy West Live podcast. Greg, great to have you back. Thanks a lot, Billy. It's good to be here. Happy to do what I can to help out. Well, I'd like to think that I study and read a lot about the Middle Eastern conflict and have for years. Still don't understand it um, as well as I probably should. That's why we have you. So can you help all of us? Uh, and explain in very basic terms the Israeli-Hamas conflict is ongoing in, in present day and, and why that should have interest to Americans. Okay, well, um, you're right. This is enormously complicated and, and difficult to get a handle on sometimes. It does go back uh, really before the founding of Israel in 1948. We could even go back to the late 19th century, early 20th century. Um, the, but the founding of Israel, uh, a lot of uh, Arabs were living in the area. It was not a country, it was a territory, but uh, approximately 700,000 people were displaced over several decades uh, from 1907 on through 1948. This created a great deal of resentment on the part of the uh, Palestinian Arabs. Back then, about 20 or so percent of them were Christian. Now it's a smaller percent of that. Most of them were Muslim. And, uh, of course, Israel portrays itself as a, quote, Jewish state, unquote, even though it also says it's a democracy. And about 20% of its population is Arab, not, uh, not Jewish. And so it's a complicated picture. Now, what we have in, for lack of a better word, let's just call it Palestine. It's not a recognized sovereign state but it has territories, it has people, and it has at least a semblance of government uh, in it. What we have is a divided society geographically. We have what's called the West Bank uh, by Jordan, and then we have what's called the Gaza Strip. Now, for some years now, these two uh, territories have been governed by different systems, different political parties. In um, the West Bank, we have what's called Fatah, and the Palestinian Authority. And they have reached a certain level of stability. Um, it, it comes and goes, but they have reached some level of stability in government. The problem there, and this does have direct relevance to the conflict we're seeing um, this past week or so, and that is uh, there were elections uh, that had taken place in, in the West Bank and Gaza. The problem is uh, that's been 15 years. Every time there's a new election that's gonna happen, the uh, government of the Palestinian Authority, under a man by the name of Abbas, he's about 85 years old now, he, uh, he cancels them, and he did that again this past month, because he knows he's going to lose. Uh, unfortunately, so many people would say Hamas has a good chance of winning these elections, as it has before, and it's actually part of government. So it's, Hamas is partly a militant, uh, Islamist-designated uh, terrorist group, but it's also a political party that attempts to govern uh, its, its region in Gaza. So we have a divided society uh, geographically. Each one is very limited in any sort of freedom of movement. Um, there are hundreds of checkpoints that the Israelis have set up, uh, and many people will justify that. Some won't. It goes back and forth. Um, but the fact is, it, it makes life very difficult. Israel controls the harbors, the ports, the fishing areas, the highways, the airspace, everything, uh, really, that a country needs to survive or controlled by someone else. And that's very difficult. On the other hand, on the Palestinian side, we have seen enormous problem for decade after decades of them attempting to um, 
to have a stable progressive society. There are many people in the Palestinian society who just want what we would call normalcy and normal life. However, there are these groups, and by the way, Hamas is not the only one, and some would say not the worst one. Um, there are other groups like Islamic Jihad and, and others that, um, you know, some of these groups need controversy to stay alive, to keep their funding going, to keep their, uh, their power in place. And so um, Israeli policies have been very tough on the Palestinians, but many of the Palestinians have been tough on the Palestinians. And from a regional perspective, uh, the Arab states have not done a whole lot of favors for the Palestinians either. Um, and Dr. Granger, why, why should we as Americans um, focus on this issue? It's dominating the news mm -hmm. lately. Why, why is this conflict so important to Americans? That's a fascinating question. Um, it's a very emotional question that comes up for many Americans. Part of it is based on religion. Uh, many Christians, or evangelical Christians in particular, uh, have a special affinity for the Jewish people. Uh, oftentimes, in my view, regardless of what their policies are, it's just steadfast. It's steadfast approach. And they take a rather one-sided view. They often don't want to hear about the other side, and uh, except, you know, which is quite often the bad news in terms of uh, Hamas bombing Israel or, and things like that. Uh, you know, we're talking about 10,000 square miles and about 12 million people out of this large planet of ours. And if this were happening in Sri Lanka or, or Eritrea, you know, or Ethiopia, where there are conflicts, we, we just don't see that in the headlines. Like for, we for reference, Israel is about the size of New Jersey. Right, right. And it's got about 9 million people. And it's a small territory. Uh, in some ways, it has grown because uh, it has been the policy of the long-running Netanyahu uh, administration to expand what are called settlements. And these are sometimes rather luxury settlements that are uh, put in places where, back in 1967, Israel said they would not go. And so they are, in, in a sense, violating their own policy. Uh, the settlements are a tough issue for both Israel and, and the Palestinians and the broader area because many of the people who move into these settlements are very hardcore. Uh, they're extreme nationalists. Some of them come from America, actually. And they uh, build walls around them. They build these apartments and, 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 and houses. Um, and, you know, there's a, a lot of people, quite frankly, in the United States who prefer to feel that both at the time of Israel's founding and today with these settlements, that they're just taking land uh, that doesn't belong to anyone. And the fact is, there were people there. This is not a land without a people. And so people are being displaced. And so the question I often ask people who, who challenge, uh, who, who get into this challenging debate over this issue is, I mean, think about being forced from your home. Um, think about your own family members. Hamas does enormous damage, I think, to both Israel and, and the Palestinians. But Israel has policies that were shown in this last conflict. They don't talk about it on their interviews. But where if, if they target a member of Hamas, okay, they might go blow up his house. They have these precision-guided weapons that sometimes are not so precise, but they do that. So imagine a family in America who has a cousin who's a member of a, a gang or a violent group of some sort, or even a terrorist organization. Well, that person might be prosecuted or even killed in a violent situation. But in the United States, we don't go after their cousins. We don't go after their aunts and uncles and their parents and their extended family. And that's Israel's policy. They go after families. 
Whether they have anything to do with Hamas or not, the idea is we're trying to intimidate people into not allowing their family members to join Hamas or whatever it might be. And the fact is, they just don't have that kind of control. Um, I can't prevent my cousins or anyone else from doing, you know, something that they see fit. So uh, part of the issue is that uh, many of the Palestinians, and by this I mean some of just the innocent people who, who just want to go to school and, and, uh, and go to work, uh, they find themselves really hemmed in by, by Israeli policies, whether it's the blockade, whether it's controlling the airspace and the sea space, and whether it's the response to provocations they see from, from Hamas. They do so in a way that we can't really call proportional. Okay, and this is a word that goes back to like the Geneva Conventions and, and international laws of war that says your response to some sort of attack needs to be within a level of proportionality to the attack. Um, I think truly the Israeli policies have gone beyond proportionality and have hurt a lot of innocent people. Um, so it's not a matter of good guys and bad guys. There are good guys on both sides. There are bad guys on both on both sides. And, and that's what's so hard to grasp. You know, when I studied this as a younger person, um, the limited amount I did, but, you know, it sort of goes back. This is really a 2000, if not many years older, land dispute that has been going on for a long time. And it may not have a solution that's mm -hmm. logical. So is, is there um, reason for Americans to, to be concerned about these issues? And the continuing conflict, as you say, when the Palestinians, their, their neighbors get bombed, they get mad about it, as they should. Mm -hmm. But why is that, again, important to Americans to be involved in this? Well, again, that's a, that's a great question because, like I said, it's a very emotional question. But if we take the emotions out of it, if I look at this as a political scientist, uh, this is a fascinating example of ethnic and, and some might say tribal or, or, or that type of sectarian warfare. But we see those happening all over the world. We didn't, don't see Americans getting invested in the Sudan-South Sudan conflicts. We don't see Americans getting as invested, for example, in the Rwandan situation in 1994. It was shocking in many ways, but it, it doesn't grasp the, uh, the heart of many Americans like this conflict does. And for that, I mean, you've really got to dig into public opinion surveys, sociological studies that show who believes what. You know, part of it is, is Israel as a, um, as a democratic society in most ways. Uh, so many people want to support him for that region. Uh, for that reason, they might see that Israel quite simply lives in a tough neighborhood where many of its neighbors don't like it, um, including these Hamas guys and, and other organizations. So there's a certain sympathy there. At the same time, I have to say, though, it's an imbalanced situation. Whether that's because of religion or ethnicity or what exactly it is, it's hard to say. But uh, we don't see many people in the United States really, or at least not the ones you see on television, on the news shows and stuff like that, uh, really wanting to grasp what's it like to be a Palestinian, really wanting to say what's it like on the other side, and is there any justification for what they do or don't do. Uh, we, we just don't see that kind of balanced perspective. Why that is so... Oh, there's a lot of different theories on that, whether it's the lobbying power of, of the Israeli government, the connection between Israeli leaders and American leaders, the, uh, the like I said, the lobbyists that, that have a lot of influence in Congress. Um, the Palestinians simply don't have that sort of access and that sort of organization. 
want to ask you again. I had a friend of mine that said this mentions to you several years ago, and again recently. That was a congressman. My, my old roommate from LSU was served four terms in the House. He he told me something at dinner that fascinated me. That one of the things that surprised him most about being a member of Congress was how involved the Israeli APAC, their their lobbying arm, is on every issue related to American foreign policy. Is that good or bad? Well. Um as a student of international relations, and I consider myself what we call a realist, uh, which means uh, I understand the role that power plays in the world, it's hard to justify. The United States is the superpower here. We're the bigger power. And it really seems that on many occasions, by the way, this has been bipartisan for a long time. Doesn't matter if yes. it's a Democratic or Republican administration. It really seems like Israel is the ones who's leading the United States and not the other way around. Um, with other small countries, we have what we often call a patron-client relationship, where the United States is the dominant power. Uh, we provide an aid, we provide some protection, and uh, we expect them to at least respect our decisions. I simply have not seen that coming from the Israeli side. They seem to believe they can say X, Y, and Z, and we will do X, Y, and Z. And so a good example would be the United States' relationship with Iran, or if you want to call it a relationship, but our, our attempt to negotiate uh, a means by which we prevent Iran from establishing a nuclear weapons capability in short order. And they were very opposed to President Obama's uh, agreement with Iranians, which you know, it took 22 months to negotiate. It's very complex, even if it was limited in many ways. And um, they just simply didn't want to hear it. They said that we don't want this agreement, even though it extended what we call the breakout period right. for Iran's capabilities from three months to a year. I don't think anybody would prefer Iran be three months from a nuclear weapon than being a year from a nuclear weapon. And then it was a ten month, a ten year uh, well, prohibition of sure, enrichment. Sure, there were the Iranians, you know, and, and because of that, they were uh, they were delayed in what they were able to do. Israel simply wants to demonize Iran, and there's reasons to justify that, I suppose, but. Is that really American policy? Do we find that a pragmatic, effective mode? Or do we, as we did with the Soviet Union, as we are doing with China, do we negotiate with them, find what we can in terms of common ground, and succeed at coming up with an agreement? Um, as soon as Mr. Trump came into office, he pulled out of the agreement, and that solidified him uh, as quote-unquote pro-Israeli. Uh, although I don't think it's good for Israel, you know, I don't think um, doing whatever Israel wants is necessarily good for Israel because we have a broader perspective and we're looking at region and global picture. Um, Israel, for its own reasons and for logical reasons, is concerned with right there, the, the, the micro region, you might say. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I guess the answer to that question is you're really not sure if that's good for America or not. And I'm, I, I'm not being it's, critical of your answer. No, it's a tough it's, answer. It is tough. I, I would think that, um, you know, we've seen president after president. We, we saw President Nixon struggle with this, for example. He, he was no fan of Golda Meir, um, the prime minister at the time of Israel. And yet he ended up kind of um, helping them out tremendously. We saw, for example, the aid that the United States provides to Israel get a huge bump after the 1967 war and again after the 1973 war, and then ever since then. So, for example, President Obama was seen as having very difficult relations with the Prime Minister uh, Netanyahu of, of Israel, and yet it was President Obama who increased our aid 
from 3 billion to 3.8 billion a year guaranteed for 10 years. Um, plus the such things as the Iron Dome missile defense system, which has worked so well in the past few weeks. Uh, all that came about during the Obama administration. And yet you ask most people on the street or people who, who pay attention, they say, oh no, Obama was terrible for Israel. Well, I think he simply had a broader perspective. He was tough with them when he felt he needed to be, and he gave them what he thought they needed for their own security. So it was a balanced situation. The last several years have not been very balanced. It's been very imbalanced, um, uh, pretty much, like I said, allowing Netanyahu to determine what American policy is. And there's no better example than Mr. Netanyahu coming to the United States Congress and giving a speech uh, because the Republicans invited him there, critical of American foreign policy. I mean, we just don't allow any other leader to come and do that, you know? So it's curious. It's, it's, it really is as a... Uh, Social scientists, it's, it's curious as to why this relationship is, uh, is so solidified in that particular particular mode. Curious is a great word. It's a fascinating, um, difficult area to discuss because it's so um, interesting politically, religiously, spiritually. There's so many different facets to the conversation. And, and but, I don't, just real quickly, yeah, I, I don't want to make it seem like I don't have sympathy for uh, Israeli security, because sure. I do. There are normal, everyday people who we would like as neighbors who just want to live their life as well. And uh, a true democracy in the region that we need as an ally. So, it, Sure. Um, I mean, they are a partner. I, I don't call them an ally. We don't have a mutual defense agreement with them or anything like that. We have just simply pledged support. And so that way our options are flexible when we need them to be. But the fact is there has been a great deal of inflexibility in American policy and kind of an unwillingness to look at the interests, the values, the needs of both sides. And we don't do that with many other conflicts in the world. See, I learned so much from you. Every time I talk to you, I would consider them an ally just in the term that I use it. But it's no, we work together it, very closely. But it's fascinating you know. to get your perspective because you're right. You corrected me properly. I mean, but that's just sort of how I think about it. Sure, sure. And maybe Americans in general think about it. But it's fascinating to always learn from Dr. Greg Granger. And and join us next week. We're going to talk to Dr. Granger about how the, the Israeli Hamas Israeli Palestinian issues uh, continue to affect uh, those of us here in the United States. Uh, and it's a fascinating discussion. We'll be back with Dr. Greg Granger next week. Thank you, Billy.